You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Level Flight Podcast. This is episode 16. I am joined by Elliot today. Hey, hey, hey. And unfortunately, we are not joined by Brian. He is at the cabin. Um, we're both hoping he doesn't see Chevy out there. Yep, I was just supposed to make a Chevy out. joke. <laughs> I mean, if he's going to the cabin, like that joke is writing itself. So. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Brian's uh, enjoying the reading week. Um, he's taking some time off and we don't blame him. We hope he's having yeah. a great time. Um, he's posted some photos out there. It looks like he's having an awesome time. So we'll miss him on this episode, but he'll be back for the next one. Yeah, uh, we do have some games to talk about. We have four games to talk about, to be specific, which we went from talking about no games two weeks ago to four now, which is great. Um, The first game, I believe, is Columbus. Yep. Yes. 3-1 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sounded a lot of alarms on Jets Twitter, um, basically because they lost to Columbus. Like, I don't blame people for freaking out. Like, Columbus stinks. Um, (laughs) What were your initial thoughts from this game? I I thought they controlled play for the majority and got goalied, but there was a theme that kept popping up through all of these losses that I want to get to, but it was more apparent in the New York Islander game and the Devils game, so I'm going to wait. But mm-hmm. what were your thoughts? I, I thought they played okay in this game. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It, this is this isn't like you're playing peewee hockey and of course if you lose to the worst team in the league oh my god that's the worst thing ever and i get it people are gonna freak out and you lose a game you probably should win and at this point in the season you need to be beating the teams that are worse than you but it's the national hockey league they're still professional players they're still gonna play well it just means that yes their talent may be lower than yours but they're still some of the best players in the world so you can't really you can't really get upset about them losing to them as much as you probably should and yeah they got goalied a little bit i thought they played pretty well they created a bunch of chances um they had some lulls and and yeah a bunch of problems keep sprouting up in these games and yeah we'll get into it but i I thought they played okay i didn't think it was that big of an issue yeah and you know i i think they deserve to win this game like i think corpusalo had a great game uh and if you look like the blue jackets haven't even been that bad lately um Mm -hmm. they beat the jets they beat the stars on the road they beat the (laughs) leafs on the road and then they played the devils tight at home on valentine's day um so they like weren't even that like they they were they were kind of coming in hot like i don't know um they're playing good running into hot we keep running into hot teams what is this but when the expectation does need to be higher like i agree like losing to columbus is unacceptable um but they did like there it would have been more concerning had they gotten outplayed for 60 minutes and lost 3-1 to Columbus yeah. and Hellebuck like bailed them out and kept it from being like a 5-1 or 6-1 game this yeah. was a game where it was like if it went into OT at 3-3 and then the Jets won I totally would have believed that because I don't know they they, they generated enough they just kind of I don't want to say they got goalied because I feel like they could have generated more but Corpusala was great yeah he, um, after a yeah. year of him not playing very well like <laughs> yeah. you, you get unlucky that was one good of in this better. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. get unlucky. You run into a goalie that has a good night. Like, and that's going to happen. It's hockey. Right. Yeah. But really, I think the jets probably need to steal at least one point from that game 
Like I would have been, yeah. if they're going to lose, yeah. I'd really prefer it to be an overtime or a shootout right now, especially yeah. to Columbus. Cause it's like, ah, well it was two, two, you played pretty good and you lost an overtime three, two, and at least you get a point out of it. And I'd probably feel a little bit better, but yeah, they, they didn't get, obviously you get no points for losing. So it, yep. it stings a little bit. That's Dallas Stars hockey is losing an OT and shootout. They have like eleven overtime losses, and we and we have like we either we either we like win one. in overtime. Yeah, well, and yeah. we win in overtime. We just need, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I the game just needs to go to overtime, and I feel pretty confident <laughs> about this team in overtime. But exactly, um, the next game is against the Devils. Uh, they lost this one to four two, and this one I think this one was like the devils are a top four top five top three whatever team in hockey and this was the first night of the back-to-back yeah as opposed to the second night but they played better in this game than they did the new york game but they lost this one whatever they started out okay first period was okay and then the third period they just fell apart and bonus said it after like every loss he probably said it after the new york game because that was basically a loss hellbuck is just ridiculous um but he every single game he said like oh we made mistakes with the puck we didn't handle the puck well we didn't make make good decisions under pressure stuff like that the puck management issues oh my goodness it was so bad like the turnovers in the defensive zone in the neutral zone wherever they're just turning the puck over they're throwing it away in the islanders game they turned the puck over the appleton drop pass and i was gonna get in i was gonna get into that the second goal like there's just examples of it everywhere and then the rangers game i mean did they even have the puck at all like (laughs) like so you can't mismanage how did they score for i don't know (laughs) hellebuck didn't mismanage the puck so he was the one touching the puck the whole game anyways this devil's game devils are great i there was a lot to be desired in terms of like chance generation i feel like they they should have lost this game for two um and then the third period was just really hard to watch because of those puck management issues but how did you yeah. see this one i i thought the first period was pretty good like i, I mm-hmm. thought we played well early on but then as we've seen throughout this season as the game goes <laughs> on it's just it, yeah. it, it gets worse and worse and so you you have to take it as okay you have a decent start you're playing okay, but you have to keep that level of play the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't I don't understand. Like, I understand you turning over the puck early, and then later on in the game, you kind of figure things out. I don't understand this team managing the puck well, and then it just completely turns into mismanaging, even though the Devils yeah. really aren't putting more pressure on than they were before. Like, it would make more sense if I was like, oh, they're amping this up, and they're forcing them to make mistakes no the jet half of the mistakes that they've been making recently are just unforced errors that don't need to happen now and i will mention it when we get back to the appleton drop pass as soon as we start talking about the islanders game but i think with the lines as much as i like bonus shuffling the lines because i we have mentioned that paul maurice never shuffled anything i don't even think he's shuffled a deck of cards in his life but <laughs> but oh, if goodness. if you think about it, how do you how do you create chemistry with your line mates? Playing together. Yep. Like right. and, and as and as much as we like the lines moving around, we'll get it to with Appleton, but like that drop pass is a perfect example of 
not knowing your teammates or where they like to cut. Now, I know I'm just a viewer and I, I get that I only see things, but I think I'm pretty, I, I think I would know if I was, if I was going to drop a pass to Ehlers, I don't think I'd drop it in the middle, like right at the blue line, right in the middle. Sorry. I hit <laughs> camera, camera, camera issues, camera issues. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying though. Like the bonus talked about it too. Someone asked him about like, how do you juggle switching the lines up and players building chemistry? And he had an answer basically saying like, I can switch the lines as much as I want. It wasn't this arrogant. I'm going to say it very arrogant, but he didn't (laughs) respond like this, but I'm paraphrasing. He basically said um, that I can change the lines as much as I want. It's on the players to build that chemistry, which is true to an extent. But like you said, it's tough when um, Appleton is playing next to Lowry. He's on the fourth line and then boom, he's up on the top line. And it's been kind of out of necessity. Um, But speaking of lines, this game, the Devils game, was the start of the Nikolai Ehlers issue that we're going to get into later in the episode. But he got 12 minutes and what did he get? 12 minutes and 41 seconds of time on ice. We'll move into the New York game now where he got 12 minutes and 50 seconds of time on ice. Um, I... Did not, yeah. That just, just I, I, we'll, I don't we'll get, get into it. That. We'll, we'll get into that. But the New York game, this is the Connor Hellebuck game. Um, yep. 51 shots against, 50 saves. Uh, he made 30, or it was 29 slot. He faced 29 slot shots, which My is a, word. A, a league wide season high. No goalie in a single game has faced more slot shots. Um, yeah this in a game this year and he again saved 50 of them i think money puck had it like three and a half goals saved above expected evolving hockey i had it at like 3.9 or something My so word. like and then those like the 3.9 was i believe the second highest of the year for him and the highest was vegas but this one was more impressive because they won obviously the jets yeah were opportunistic offensively um Connor and Shifley made some really nice plays, but again, it was Hellebuck. It was puck management issues. They played the entire game in their own end. It was the second night of a back-to-back. Hellebuck played both games. Yeah. Um, and so people were worried, like, oh, Hellebuck, second night of a back-to-back. He just came off, like, the illness or whatever held him out last week. Yeah. Is he going to be okay to do <laughs> two nights in a row? And then he, he clearly was. Oh, um, he, he seemed more than right. It was yeah. like he didn't even get the first game of the back-to-back. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah. Bonus said that too. He said something like, "Yeah, well, he it was a light workload against New Jersey, but whatever." Um, light yeah, workload. New, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Um, and then the New York game, fifty saves. I I still can't wrap my head around that. The highlights are amazing because it's such a hell of a game where like there's maybe one or two saves where it's like a highlight real save like the the Kreider yeah. power play one where he scoops it out of the air into his glove um and then the one where he's like laying on his side and the puck like hits him in the head like those are like whoa like how did he save that yeah, besides yeah. that it was just Connor Hellebuck just being in the right spot and letting the puck hit him which is literally what has made him like one of the best goalies in the league. It yeah. was so much fun to watch. Yeah. He was just, yeah. it was like, that was a like positioning masterclass by Connor. Oh. In that game. If, if, literally. If I was training a goalie, I'd probably yeah. throw them that game tape and be like, this is how you position yourself in front of the puck. 
Yeah. Like, and even the Kreider save, which is like his quote unquote nicest save of the game, the puck just kind of like lands in his glove because he's yeah. in the right spot and he like scoops it out of the air. Boom. Um, that was just amazing. I don't know if we have anything else to say besides Hellbuck is I mean, insane. yeah, <laughs> but like you said, he he is so good at just positioning himself in front of the puck. And that's all as much as people like to say, oh, being a goalie, you need to be flexible and this and that. No, it's like, I think as much as we know that Connor Hellebuck can make the acrobatic save and be, he is an athlete, mm-hmm. he's an athletic goaltender. Mm-hmm. I really think that what stands, like makes him stand out to other goalies is his positioning. Is just because mm-hmm. he knows how to re- read the puck, figure out his vision through screen, like through screening. Like realistically, if I'm being honest, and I'm sure somebody can correct me on this or tell me what the answer is but i would actually like to know how many times connor hellebuck's actually been scored on this season while being screened i know the jets have been better at that and clearing guys out in front of him so he can see but i really want to know the amount of shots he's taken that he's either that have been shot against him and the saves and goals when he's been Mm. actually like screened just because i think i think that number would be low or at least the goal yeah. number would be low just because he is, his vision is so good. And because his vision is good, he knows where to position himself. So th- yeah. th- this is a game where they didn't deserve to win this game, but they somehow scored four in this game. So I don't get how you can't score four against the devils and you can score four against the Rangers and play worse, but that's sports uh, on the other side of the, of the crease, Igor Shesterkin had an awful game, one of his worst that I've seen him play because he's the opposite of Hellbuck, where he's the acrobatic goalie that is flashy and can really move side to side and make like highlight real saves. But he just was like that that Shifley goal where it was basically just on the goal line. He tapped it in with a stick. That like it hit him in the chest, and then he just like turned. And then the puck landed back where it hit his chest and he just like turned. And I'm like, what, like, where is he looking? I don't know. But if you like, just to give the Connor Hellebuck some context, that was probably a top three, top five game of his career. Oh, I, I was like, going to bring like, that up. Like, like maybe even like the best, if you want to argue like 50 saves, you can't really argue against that. Um, yeah. But if you watch like just other hockey games, like last night, I was watching Calgary versus Arizona and Tyler Toffoli walks in, takes probably three strides over the blue line and shoots a shot. And it goes through Carol Vegmelka's what is it? The seven hole or whatever yeah. in between the blocker and the arm. And it goes and it trickles in. I'm like, I have never seen Connor Hellebuck and like Vegmelka is good. Like a teammate trade for him at the deadline who mm-hmm. needs a goalie. Like he's not a terrible goalie. Yeah, but he just he let in a goal from like thirty feet away. It's like, well, what, like Connor Hellebuck, if if he sees a shot, like it could be from like ten feet away, he's saving it. Yeah, like it, like never mind Tyler's fully walking in over the blue line and shooting, like maybe yeah. two three strides, and that goes in. Like you never ever see Hellebuck give those up. And if you do, it's very rare. Yeah, that used to be a thing earlier in his career, and I think people like from the Pavlik era um, kind of brought that into Hellebuck, but it was kind of unwarranted. But it was like he yeah. he would he made all all the nice saves or the 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 positional saves, but then he'd give up like behind the goal line, he'd give up a weak goal, which happens. Like if, yeah. if you're being a goalie in the NHL, that happens. But this year especially, 
I just there haven't been weak goals really oh, no. at all. Like no, a, a lot of the goals that are being scored against him are either um like two on ones, backdoor tap ins, and it's like, well, what can you really do there? And it, it has does to do with beat. the players. It has to do with he, who's in yeah. front of him. Like he does get beat with the occasional shot, but then again, it's like what which goalie doesn't andre vasilevsky gets like it, it, yeah. that's just playing net you're not going to save every shot um yeah. but it, it's those it's those shots from far away that you expect the goalie to save that they don't it that like really hurt a team and he never he never lets those in yeah never. it's ridiculous yeah. um enough about hollabuck we'll, we'll get back into him later in the episode but the islanders game this one happened last night we're recording this thursday uh, 2-1 loss, and I would say this is the best game they played on the trip. What, yeah, how did probably. you see this one? Yeah. I, I thought it was, like, and Connor and I were talking about it before the show. I was looking at Money Puck on the deserved a window meter. I get it's just a stat, but just for stats, people, and just to throw it out there, the only game the Jets deserved to lose was the game they won. Every other single game on this road trip, they deserve to win and didn't. So we're going to bring it up later, and I'll probably reiterate my point. But I, and not just looking at stats, also you look just at the game film, especially early on, the Jets created a lot of chances. They looked good. And I think, I don't know if it's a morale thing or what, but they create a lot of chances early, and then they don't score. And it's not like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep bringing this momentum. It's kind of like the moment they hit a wall, and they kind of just go, Oh, well, I guess we're not scoring three tonight. We can't even get one right now. And and then it's I'm not trying to say that they give up, but it just feels like the chance generation just gets less and less. Because then we've seen in some other games where they try to then later in the game, they try to do too much to try to score mm-hmm. when they should just be trying to make the simple play because yeah. it's got to go in at some point. But it just seems right. like the chance generation becomes less and less and they just have they just don't do enough. Now, I know I said I would bring it up. And I'll reiterate my point. Chemistry, Mason Appleton. If I'm playing with Ehlers, I know as a viewer, and you probably should know as your teammate, and I'm not trying to say I know more than an NHL player, but if I'm <laughs> Ehlers, you see him you see him go to the outside more often, towards the boards. He likes to play on the outside be- with his speed. If I'm Appleton, sure, with Adam Ra- Lowry, that drop pass is great because you know he's a big body. Nobody's going to want to come at him when you drop the puck because they're going to want to step back to make sure they can absorb contact. They don't want to go into him. So of course that drop past the middle is a great play with Ehlers. That's not a great play because he wants to go to the outside. So if he dropped it to the outside and then there was a, a turnover. Okay, fine. Wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem. Also it's to the boards. Two guys are there. They can get back. You can kind of close in. You can kind of minimize the, the giveaway, but when you drop the puck to the mill like that, even with Adam Lowry, let's say, that's still a dangerous play. All the Islanders were collapsing towards the middle. The rest of the Jets were on the outside trying to make a play there. And so I just think that as much as that's a terrible giveaway from Mason Appleton, you never give the puck up in the middle of the zone. As much as it is a big problem there, I would still have to say that that's like down to a chemistry thing. And I get he's yeah. been moved up to that line a bunch of times. But he'll, he's maybe gotten like three, four shifts, and then he's been moved down the lineup, not played a whole game with them. So it's new. Do I agree with the change? Absolutely not. Like, you look at the line combinations. Like, if I'm being real, like, I think 
you got to move either Sam Gagne up there, which we know has worked, or mm-hmm. you move Ehlers up and you move Gagne to the second line and you keep you keep Appleton on the fourth or you move other guys around. I, I just think right now, especially now with an injury to Perfetti, this is even more of a reason for the Jets to make a trade. Oh, yeah. Because we have no idea 100%. how long Perfetti... Do we know how long Perfetti's out? I'm not... I No, I'm not I think... Sure. Bonus yesterday said he's waiting for a doctor's report, so I'm assuming they're going to get that when they go back home. So probably. So it could. It, so and and with that there, I would assume it's a longer term injury. Yeah, I don't know. It it's hard. To, like I, it's hard to speculate because I don't like no one knows when it happened or like what happened yeah. because they just said like, oh, he got hurt mid game and played through it. And it was like, well, okay, you can't really point to one thing and be like, that was it. So if you can play through it mid-game, wouldn't you not think putting him on IR is not the right, like... Uh, but Nah, adrenaline still just... I, like, I, like that is players true. can play with ridiculous things um, that is mid-game. True. Yeah. So that is we'll, true. we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, anyway. But if... if <laughs> to further your point, if Ehlers does cut middle on that drop pass, we might be talking about another injury in the top six. Yeah, because. For sure. Like you said, all the Islanders players were collapsing. He's getting his head taken off. If if he's moving lateral at the blue line with Islanders players coming from the bench, like he's just it, it, it's a it's a head on run over. Yeah. So anyway, but I and, thought they played anyways, okay, it ends up but... in the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah. It ends up in the back of the net anyways. Yeah. But they, like you said, they they played good. This was probably the best game they played. The Islanders like to trap it up. They like to rely yeah. on Elias. Sorokin this is what they're built for. Out. Yeah, and that's what they did. Is they kept it one one, and then they capitalized on a on a puck management turnover. Unfor- well, it was kind of forced, but whatever. Yeah. Um, walked out. Hellebuck was screened. Didn't see the shot. Boom, two one. Trapped it up the rest of the game, and they win. That's Islanders hockey. That's what they do. Um, which is they funny because they have Matthew Barzell, but he's out. He, he didn't well, play, but so. but you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. They've, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be building around your superstar who. Yes, right. I get he's not a goal scorer, but he's a point putter upper, and they play a different. But that that like that even helps them because they'll just trap it up. But then when he's on the ice, they're like, "Okay, go get us a goal now." And then when yeah. he's off the ice, they're like, "All right, we're gonna trap it up with Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. We're just gonna sit back here and hit you every time you try and come over the blue line." Wait, but no, would it be Anders Lee or is he on that? No, I'm thinking somebody else. No, Never he, mind. I'm yeah, thinking yeah, the yeah. Vancouver okay. trade. Never mind. Anyway, oh, okay. no. doesn't matter. It's this isn't an Islanders Billy, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, okay, yes. 2-1 two on, two on loss. They outplayed them. Uh, we agree there. Did they, like, the puck management issues popped up again. Ehlers actually got 18 and a half minutes of time on ice, so that's yeah. good. Um, that's actually a good transition. We're going to talk about the usage of Nikolai Ehlers, and we, we've talked about it quite a bit already, like the, the chemistry and stuff. Um but what are your initial thoughts? Just kind of like, because when he when he first got tw- was getting twelve minutes a game, it was Perfetti was still in the lineup. Yeah, and they did the line blender. The third line was like Ehlers, Lowry, Wheeler, and there were tweets from everyone like when the period would end, it would be like, oh, Ehlers is Ehlers would end the game this way too. But like at the end of the first period, it would be like Ehlers is the lowest ice time out of all forwards except for the fourth line. Like instead yeah. of Stenland. Main line and Gagne for like whoever, whoever was yeah. the fourth line for those games would be like Ehlers and then those three. And that would be the bottom four. And it's like, well, we know how good Nikolai Ehlers is. He scored a goal in the, the, the lone goal in the Islanders game last night. Beautiful goal. 
yeah, great goal. But what, like, what needs to change? Because, like, is it as simple as getting him more ice time? They put him on the first power play last night, which is Thank good. Goodness. That's a that's a good step in the right direction. He scored. Um, but yeah, what what do you think needs to be done? Because clearly, Nikolai Ehlers playing twelve minutes a night is not the answer. Well, and I don't get, I I don't understand how that's we're having issues winning. So let's demote our like greatest chance creator. That, that, that's having that, issues scoring. Yeah, and, and, like, and Ehlers, it's like, yeah, you said it. I think you said it like two podcasts ago, where it's like, um. If you bench Ehlers or you sit him, you play him like 12 minutes, and then the last three minutes of the game, you throw him out there and you're like, Yeah, try and get a goal. It's like, Well, he's yeah. gonna be ice cold. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Go ahead. It, it's yeah. it's a basketball thing. I'd deal with this. That's that that was my role when I played basketball, was shooting threes, and so we'd be down six with like 45 seconds left, and I'd sat the whole fourth quarter and I get subbed out there. Okay, go hit us two threes. Well, I haven't taken a shot in a real time 20 minutes, so you're going to need to give me enough time to put up like two first before, or at least mm. one to get my, get me going. I think yeah. realistically what, what the issue is, I think first off his minutes went down cause he moved down a power play unit. I have noticed right. when the jets are using their, when they're on the power play, my issue is, is they run the first unit for so long and then, then they give the second unit like 20 seconds. So of course, yeah. Ehlers on the second unit, his, his, minutes usage is going to drop because one he's not on the first unit and two the second unit is barely out there so unless there's like seven power plays he's not going to get that much ice time so especially yeah. like when you drop him in the lineup like they did it, it just it just i don't know what the solution is because we've noticed at this point that bonus just does and as much as i like him and i will still advocate for him as a coach it just seems like he just does not care about who you like, unless your name, I mean, I guess unless your name is Kyle Connor. Yeah. Like, well, and I guess Connor's been dropped to the second line before, like not really, but he's been dropped yeah. a little, like, like unless Connor and Shifley, I think are the only two that haven't really moved down. Like past Shifley's moved past a couple times. Six. Yeah. Right. But, Shifley's yeah. moved a couple times, but like, unless your name is Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley or um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. It, well, even I wouldn't even say Pierre Luc Dubois. I was just gonna say Josh Morrissey. I'm just saying the entire oh, team, yeah. guys that yeah, don't yeah. move. Like unless yeah. you're those three guys, and I guess you can include Dubois, you can you're allowed to get moved anywhere in the lineup. Which, for a team w- that would be full filled with like two way forwards, and they're all the same player. Which I mean, I guess half this team is when you look at Mason Appleton <laughs> and Sacramento line in, and but when you when you look at this team, there are specific guys. That I think even like Paul Maurice knew, okay, they just need to be like, uh, besides Wheeler, Wheeler was declining and needed to drop in the lineup. I'm glad Bonus has done that. And that's not a knock on Wheeler. It's just his legs have started to go. And so mm-hmm. he's still a good player, but just not anymore at this level. But right. even Maurice realized that okay, I can't put Nikolai Ehlers on the fourth line. Like, I, I, I can't do that. Like, unless I'm just going to start giving the fourth line, like, second line minutes. I'm not doing that. So for me, I, I don't know what really needs to change other than a trade. And I know we've talked about this. We yeah. had a whole episode previous where we talked about trade deadline stuff at this point, like, and I will keep advocating for at least two moves now need to be made, especially if Perfetti's going to be out for a long period of time. I think two now move in before I would mm-hmm. advocate for one move for a forward 
maybe a defenseman if you want, and then a depth guy if it's a depth forward or defenseman. Now I'm thinking it needs to be two forwards, maybe mm-hmm. a defenseman, and I would even count now the depth guy needs to now now be a forward. Yeah. So you look and at I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. To to further your point, like Arizona has three forwards, three or four forwards that, that was been, exactly like, who I was gonna mention. Yeah, has been made available. So you can you can go out and get a high profile name and then go to Arizona and get um uh what's his name? Nick Bukestad and Christian Nick. Fisher, like you yep. said, or um Lawson Kraus, you know, like two guys that will add some life into the bottom six. But yeah, we talked about that last episode. Um trade deadline like it's next week yeah like we said hopefully brian doesn't see chevy at the cabin because moves need to be made moves need to be made i think i have hope i hope he doesn't let me down i have hope that he'll actually make a move well Um, we've heard more this year than in previous years yeah it sounds like he's making phone calls how much of that is him making phone calls versus him like feeding uh, insider's information to make it look like he's like, I don't yeah. know. Like you, you never know. Right. Because uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, the, I want to touch on the, the power play thing you said about the first and second unit. It's, it's infuriating when like, I don't mind when the top unit is Ehlers, Morrissey, Connor, Dubois, Shifley. I think that's what it was last night. Yeah. I don't mind if that unit gets a minute and a half, Yeah, but I mind if, we're on our fourth power play of the game. The first unit's been out there for a minute and a half every time. And all they're doing is forcing Kyle Connor one timers or whatever they're doing. Um, or not even like and none of it's working. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. And none of it is working. And Ehlers is just sitting there on the second unit. Um, I forget which game that was, but the Jets had like six or seven. I think it was Columbus. I think. Was it the Columbus the or was had... it the Devils game? I'm not sure. No, but the Jets they, had a lot of penalties in the Devils game. I apologize. It was it was Columbus. Yeah, it yeah. was like they had six or seven power plays, and Ehlers only had like two minutes of uh, power play time, where the top guys they had, had like two six, five on threes, didn't they? Three five on threes, or was it three? Yeah, like yeah, because they scored on the first one and then missed on the next two. Anyways, um, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, the top unit is like going out there for a minute forty five seconds. They can't enter the zone, and then when they do, they force it to Cal Connor. He shoots it high and wide. It rims around the glass, and it's all the way down the ice. And it's like, well. When that happens, three or four straight power plays, start with the second unit. Like, yeah, they do that once in a while, but then the second unit is off in 45 seconds. And I guess that's a choice at that point. But yeah. I just I, – I don't like when the first unit's not working and they don't start with the second unit or give the second unit the yeah. bulk of the time. Yeah. Uh, and that happened in the Columbus game. But if they're going to load up one unit, like a.k.a. put Ehlers on the top unit – I wouldn't even mind. But then again, like if they've gone 0 for 4 um, in a in a game with this top unit, start with the second unit with Gagne, Wheeler, Pionk, Schmidt, and uh, Lowry, I think. Yeah, or I think Stenland. Stenland. I think oh, it's yeah. Stenland. Right. Um, but then again, start with that unit and just see what happens because the top yeah. unit's not working anyways, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I would even yeah. go 0 for 2. And on the third one, I'd start with the second. Maybe, yeah. Or even if you yeah. get really – if you get – we've seen power plays this year where they get – They've stacked the first unit and they get nothing like absolutely yeah. nothing on the first in the first power play. I'd even say on the yeah. second power play at that point, I'd either start with the second unit or I go for 30 seconds with the first unit and go, okay, you have 30 seconds to create something. If you're not creating enough chances by then you're coming off and I'm we're bringing the on the hook. second unit. And and I get the second unit isn't as strong. And I think that's why bonus mm-hmm. has been trying to 
play the first unit more because it's all the top six guys that should be getting the power play time. Yeah. But Pionk's on the second unit. And I get we bash him, but he's a power play merchant. That's exactly when yeah. I want you to play him. I don't yeah. want you to play him any other ice time other than like, power like, <laughs> like this is, but now we had this problem with a certain man. We trade to Columbus where he didn't play defense and he was really a power play merchant, but, and I wish you could do this in hockey, just bring guys on for the power play. And I know you can't do that, but that that's what, that's what Pionk is good at. And so that's why I mm. want the second unit to probably go out a little bit more because I think he can be a little bit more of a quarterback. And then you got to yeah. have Lowry out there because if you're going to have Pionk bomb from the point, I want our best net front presence out there. Mm -hmm. Like it yeah. just gives a different look. It makes the penalty kill have to try yeah. to scheme around two different styles. It's not. Yeah. And then I hate when the second unit starts playing like the first unit where they're looking for one timers. And I'm like, okay, this isn't who you are. I want you no. to put, I just want you to put pucks on net. That's what your unit is good at. Yeah. Get yeah. Pionk or whoever to just put pucks on net <laughs> and then you crash. Like you have Gagne who can crash. Like I get he's an all around difference. Like he, he can shoot a little bit. He can crash the net. He can be a guy in front. And that's what I want. I want Lowry to crash. I want Gagne to crash. Stenland. I get he's like, if you want to put Stenland out there with Lowry, sure. Who else is on that unit? Wheeler. Yeah. Wheeler Wheeler's and then Pionk. I think that's well, the unit. Well, yeah, Wheeler. We don't Pionk, see them enough to know. Like, like <laughs> yeah, like I would say it should be Wheeler, Pionk, Lowry, um, Gagne, and then I guess who I don't really care who the fifth is. I you look. It was at the, Schmidt, I think, and they they use him as the shooter. Yeah, um, like and, they, and they feed him fine. the one timers, which is fine. I, I I think I'd rather it be Pionk if one of the defensemen is going to be a shooter. Yeah, um, I'd rather it be Pionk, but whatever. Like I want um, the distributor to be Lowry. I'm fine with either Schmidt or Pionk to shoot. I as much as Pionk probably should be shooting more. Schmidt's still good to also be a distributor as well. But then yeah. I want Wheeler feeding like Pionk either, and they don't have to be one time like wind it no. up all the way back. Clap. Like I'm fine with a nice <laughs> little scratchers. Yeah, like I'm fine with a just a pass to Pionk, and he kind of like stick handles for about a second, tries to find an angle, and then fire one on net. And it doesn't have to be for a goal. It can be for a rebound for Lowry to tip in or for Gagne mm -hmm. to get a tip. Like it doesn't have to be these pass back to the point, like Kyle Connor back scratch one timers. Like that's not what that unit is. And so I, th yeah, I think, and, it, I think it has to do with scheme, but yeah, it's, it's, it's partly scheme. And I think the, the whole thing with the, the first unit not doing anything was one of their biggest issues was entries. And when Ehlers was sitting there in the second unit and the first unit couldn't get into the zone for a minute and a half, it was even more infuriating because it's like your best, your fastest player, your best entry guy is just sitting on the second unit. And then the second unit would come on the ice. Ehlers would do that thing where he winds it up and they would yeah. boom, 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 be in the zone. And it's like, well, what? Like, what are we doing? So yeah, why is that, it on the second unit? Yeah, I, I hope that we keep these uh, configurations the way that they are. Yeah. Like you said, when the second unit's out there, I'd like to see them simplified a little bit more. Wheeler tried to hit Pionk backdoor for like uh, one timers, like he was pat like prime Patrick Line two times. Would you say Patrick Line is now in his prime? Actually, uh, no, he's fallen off. A little bit. Uh, whatever. Not a hot know. take. Patrick Line has fallen off since his 50 goals. <laughs> he's actually having a good year. Only he is he having a good Jets. year. When and he plays I, when he plays the Jets, he lights them up every time. You know what? So, you know what I think he needs to do. I think he needs to like oh make his room in Columbus just like all Jet stuff, 
so that whenever yeah. he, or get whoever it is at the hotel room to put jet stuff there so that he thinks he's playing the jets that night so then he'll <laughs> play well every night but anyway exactly yeah no i he he lights up the jets every time but again wheeler can't be forcing these backdoor passes to neil pionk for these one-timers because I, it's just not going to work i'd like to see them simplify it like you said just get shots on net crash the net um have wheeler use his passing ability that's still there it's still evident yep. And, 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 and I get, yeah. I, I said, I, I know I said earlier that he's fall, he's, he's declined. That is one skill that he still has that I will to yeah. this day say as much as Perfetti's been a good passer, Blake Wheeler is still the best passer on this team. Yeah. He like that be. is his yeah. one skill. And well, I guess the shootout, cause he's still a God in the shootout, but I don't know why, <laughs> but his best attribute. The yeah. <laughs> the helmet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess he's only really good when they need him to score, but when you think about it, his best attribute is passing. And I get he's not on the first unit anymore. And I get he's not feeding Kyle Connor. And we kind of forget about that. But he's got other options now. Like, he yeah. can even, like, quote-unquote, pass it towards... Like, if you're that good of a passer, I'm sorry. But if you get an angle where you can, quote-unquote, pass it or shoot at the... Like, not I wouldn't even say shoot the puck. Pass the puck to the net for a rebound. Like, if you find an angle, do that. I don't care. <laughs> just that second unit just needs to throw pucks on net. And I yeah. think that's half the reason why the Jets have problems is because some games in the power play and five on five, they don't just throw pucks at the net. Like just yeah. make the simple play. And I know on this podcast, we talk about all the nice plays and all the everything, but sometimes playoff teams and good teams score dirty goals. That's just what they do. And I am yeah. fine with that. I will not complain if you like nice plays are great, but if you, I will praise a nice play just as much as a dirty play. Like that's why I like Adam Lowry so much because he makes mm -hmm. so many dirty plays and lots of his goals are dirty goals. Yes. Yeah. He'll get some tip-ins, but a lot of them are him just whacking his stick on the goal he yeah. had and he flips one over and scores. Like it's yeah. just effort. And I'm not yeah. saying the jets have effort has dropped at any point this season in a while. Sometimes you just need to put in a little bit more effort when a puck is thrown towards the net to make a play. Yeah, I agree. And really all we're asking for on the power play is shots on net because yeah. there are times where they'll go the whole two minutes without a shot. So yeah, simplify shots on net, the top unit with Ehlers on it. There was good movement last night. I hope they stick with that. I hope they don't go away with it because it looked good, even yeah. though like maybe they went one for four, one for five. I don't know what the official number was, but it looked it looked better. They had and more options. Scored. They had they had Dubois down low. They had yeah. They had Ehlers on the wing where he scored. They had the Kyle Connor one timer. They had Sheffley in the bumper spot where he scored like forty five thousand goals in that one playoff run yeah. from that bumper spot. I don't know why they ever took him out of there. Whatever. Put him in front of the net. Yeah. More, yeah. Morrissey from the point. But yeah, I hope they stick with that. Yeah. Um, right, we can move on. I um if you've missed Brian to this point like don't worry you're going to hear his voice now we're going to hear a word from our sponsors so if you missed Brian tune in um he's he's he he still does our ad reads he's a great at them so we're we're going to take a break we're going to come back with some good topics about Hellbuck and whether or not it's time to panic so stick around but first a word from our sponsors NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. 
Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Hey, Level Flight Podcast fans. This time of year, everyone's talking about making the big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, it's pretty unrealistic. Even I've fallen into that, claiming it's time to go to the gym, but next thing you know it, I'm forearm deep in a bag of Chicago mixed popcorn. That being said, I've found that actually the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact, in the same way that you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change, even if it's something you use every day. Like buying a pair of Raycons, for example. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. With their portability, your Raycons can be with you as you go for walks, head to the store, or whatever you might be doing. Too cold out? No worries, use them for your daily activities around the house. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last you all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Keep them at your desk, in your backpack, or wherever you'd find yourself needing a pair. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. One of my favorite features of Raycons is how they can be fitted to your ear with custom gel tips. My ears can get sore sometimes with other headphones, but these fit perfectly. It also helps a ton when I'm working out too, and they're actually water and sweat resistant. If I'm going for a run, I'm going to sweat. Now I don't have to worry about the sweat getting into the earbuds. But my favorite feature though is their noise isolation. We're all students, so trying to study can be a bit tough if you're in a loud area. With Raycons noise isolation, I can get to work and be as productive as my procrastinating self will let me be. So, are you ready to buy something small with big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com THPN. And we are back. Uh, hope you liked hearing Brian do our ad reads. He, like I said, he's amazing at them. All right, we're going to get into... A topic that was brought up on, I, I believe it was by Keith Yandel on the the Sportsnet intermission show. They brought up whether or not Connor Hellebuck is a Hall of Famer or a future Hall of Famer. Like right now, if he retired, he's not a Hall of Famer. I'll say that. Yeah. But if he continues on this trajectory, is he or is he not a Hall of Famer? Now, my biggest thing was Roberto Luongo getting inducted. I believe it was in 2020. Or was it the Some, most recent class? It I, thought, I believe it was actually. the most. Yeah, I believe okay, it was, it was the most class. recent one. Yeah, um, that's my biggest like. Maybe Luongo getting in like um, gives a better chance for Hellebuck. Like goalies from this era, I think Vasilevsky's in guaranteed yeah. just because he's won two cups. Um, and he has a Vesna. And he has a he has a Vesna. Um, Hellebuck has a Vesna, which Luongo does not. 
Um, let's just roll through their career stats really quickly. I, this is basically all I'm using my like argument for because besides like Luongo is the most recent goalie to be inducted in A and B, mm-hmm. the, all the other goalies that were inducted are like Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh. Like these are like unbelievable goalies. Now, Hellebuck, I think, might need to win to get in. Like he might need to mm-hmm. win a cup or like at least make the Stanley Cup finals like Luongo did. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, Luongo's career stats, he won 489 games. 392 losses, 124 OT losses, save percentage of 919, and goals against average of 252. Mm-hmm. Hellebuck, to this point, 227 wins, 146 losses, 36 OT losses, 917 save percentage, and 2.66 goals against average. Now, if he has another two to three good years here, I I, I could see him getting in just because mm-hmm. that goals against average number will hopefully come down and the save percentage number is higher right now. It's 925. So if he keeps that, that'll push up a little bit more, mm-hmm. but really I think it comes down to whether or not he wins another Vesna. Yeah. How do how do you see it? I think like with me and I do this a lot with basketball players too. When you look at basketball and, and honestly, any sport baseball and I know baseball, it's a lot harder to get into the hall of fame, but when you think about it, like it's it's not yes it's about numbers and yes it's about accolades but at the same time sometimes it's not so it, it's hard to tell yeah. right now because like if Connor Hellebuck was like 34 and like if this was five years from now and he was 34 and we had his entire sample size to look at and let's say he keeps this up where he's at around a 920 922 save percentage mm-hmm. and he's, his goals against is like a 2.4 and it like his goals against average drops and he gets way more wins. Cause what is he like just under 200 wins off of Luongo? Yeah, like I believe yeah. so. So let's say both of their stats are similar and let's yeah. say he wins the Vesna this year or another year. Cause yes, I know he's in for the Vesna mm-hmm. running and he may not win it this year. And mm-hmm. like, I think for sure he's in if the Jets win the cup, I think he's in if he keeps up the level of play and the Jets continue to be a playoff contender. And yeah. he continues this level of play. My thing is, is and we've seen it, he won the Vesna. Then he kind of had like a year and then a uh, not so great year. And then he's back to being a really good goaltender. Now, mm-hmm. does that those two bad years also correlate with him having bad teammates? Sure. But now bad also- years is relative, though, because like. Yeah like he a bad year for hellebuck is a good year for any goalie in the league yeah. right it's just yeah. not vesna level like we're seeing right now like we saw in 2019 and i think yeah I, you make some good points i think the way hellebuck plays we talked about it earlier in the podcast about how he's just in the right spot and he kind of just lets pucks hit him because he's yeah. six four 200 whatever pounds mm-hmm. he's just kind of in the right spot he's not making the acrobatic diving saves and I just feel like, like Mark Andre Fleury played till like he's still playing. He played till yeah. he was thirty nine, still playing, or he's yeah. forty. I don't know how old Mark Andre Fleury is, but he's up there. He's he's Hellbuck. almost been long as around as uh, that entire Penguins core. So yeah, I, he might be he might be another Hall of Famer that's currently playing. I think I think yeah. he gets in because oh, he, he won that cup. Yeah, for, for sure. sure he's yeah. he he is in for sure. Yeah, he's in. Um, 
but Hellebuck, I feel like I've like people like people are worried and I, I'm I'm with them because like the aging curves of players that provide value to the team, like it kind of starts to drop off at like 30, 31 yeah. is when you start to see that slow decline. But for Hellebuck, I don't think that's the case. Just because he doesn't make the big acrobatic saves, he just lets pucks hit him. He can just mm-hmm. sit in the net and let pucks hit him and be in the right spot till he's 38 or whatever, right? So I think for me, it comes yeah. down to either winning a cup, either making a Stanley Cup finals run, or winning another Vesna. And now, it, it, if he wins another yeah. Vesna, I think he's in for sure because that's two big like like theoretically if he wins another Vesna, it's going to be like an impressive like of course it's going to be the best season as as a goalie yeah. um the 2019 was probably the best display of goaltending i've seen from him even better than this year if he can yeah. get anywhere close to that and yeah like you said not have like two three more like meh years where he's just kind of like near the average in goaltending I think yeah. he'll be he'll be great. And then again, those two years, those two down, quote unquote, down years, he was still like top 10 or like top 12 across most um, models in like goal save above expected. Mm-hmm. So he's still like a top 12 goalie in the league. He's just not top three, which is yeah. what we expect. Right. Vasilevsky has the game seven wins. He at he has the Stanley Cups. He's Marc-Andre Fleury has the Stanley Cups. He has the Vez- like he has, he has the, wins. the longevity. He has the wins. Yeah. Uh, Hellebuck needs something else. He needs another big accomplishment and he needs to have six to seven more years of consistent, good top five play. And he- he'll, I-, I think he'll be an unbiased opinion, obviously as a Jets fan. But. <laughs> now my question to you is, and I think this is a really important question. Mm-hmm. When you look at that 19 run, Mm-hmm. Let's say they beat Vegas. Okay. And he has at least a Stanley Cup finals appearance. And let's say this year, as much as we know that they're mm. good, let's say this window closes and let's say it, it, they, they don't make another run before until like he's basically at the end of his career or he's a backup. Do you think that changes anything or not? I do. I you, think you if think... they made it to the, even if they lost in the finals, which I don't think they would have, that team was stacked. And it's sad to look back, but I think if they made it, they would have beat Washington. And I think even if they made it and lost to Washington, having a Stanley Cup Finals appearance and playing on that national stage does so much more for your uh, Hall of Fame case than losing in five. Because it's if you look at it on paper, like yeah, Mark Andre Fleury, the guy who's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, goalied the crap out of the jets in that series right like he yeah. stole basically an entire series yeah. um but when you which look Connor at it on paper, is done but right but when you look at it on paper um the jets lost in five yeah so it's like it, it doesn't look great uh i do think if they won that series if he had another playoff series win under his belt and he went to the Stanley like a final that would do it would do a lot, but it would definitely do a, a decent amount to getting him in. Where I would say yeah. if he made that and won a, wins a Vez, Vesna in two, three years, he'd be in. Yeah. But again, it looks bad. The playoff the playoff stuff is there though, because he swept Edmonton that one year. He yeah. no, he swept Edmonton. Yeah. Like there were some good other performances on the Jets that year, but he stole a series and he swept 
the best player, the best player in like NHL history, arguably the most talented player in NHL history. Um, and his team got swept by Connor Halbach, right? Yeah. Um, he he has playoff series wins. That's not, and uh, hopefully he gets another one or two or three or four. Uh, this oh, year, I, but I, oh yeah, I think making that making that finals run would have would have done a decent amount for his Hall of Fame yeah. case. But you never know, right? Well, we'll never know. And, and and that's the thing that this is all, and that's my problem with trying to look at guys. The only guy I will actually normal like yes, this is for the podcast. This is for your guys' enjoyment, right? Like for the viewers. But my thing is is even when I look at basketball players, people are like. Like unless you're at you're close to the end of the career, like the only guys that will actually talk about like Hall of Fame cases in the NBA right now, just to give you an example, are LeBron, Katie, Chris Paul. Uh, maybe mm, yeah. I wouldn't even talk about Kyrie Irving right now. Like you have to be like at the end. Like and I'm, I know Connor's a big LeBron fan, and he'll say LeBron <laughs> still has five more years left. But oh yeah, but but when you look at guy, when you look at guys, you kind of have to like I I as much as Connor Hellbuck, yes, he's 29, and I get. He's young still, but it's hard to look at their career and try to see for foresee what's going to happen. That's why I like to talk about someone like Mark Andre Fleury is a perfect example for this. Like he's already up into his mid to late thirties. I'm okay to talk about Hall of Fame at that at this point because he's one or two years away, so you can kind of predict where the rest of his career is going to go. It's an easier way to predict, and the sample size is there enough to say, okay, if he retired right now even though we know he's got one or two more years left, he's probably making the Hall of Fame, right? So with Connor Hellebuck, yeah. this window that the Jets have, yes, is small, but they have some other prospects that make that make their window small now and maybe a little bit bigger later, right? So, yeah. And you think that you would hope that he's the goaltender for that next window when he's older. So you yeah. have it's kind of hard to predict that. But yeah, like as much as we can sit here and speculate, it's kind of, you, you have no idea because yeah. he could like, I, I would hope not, but he could literally fall off a cliff for two seasons could, and be right. terrible. Yeah, you never know. And then the right. jets either trade him or they let him go in free agency. And we have right. a brand new goaltender. Right. right. So you, like, and goalies are the weirdest like position in sports. They can be top three one year and then bottom three, the next or like, quarterback Carter. Yeah. Look at Carter Hart. He was like the worst goalie in the league last year. Philip Grubauer aside. And now he's actually having a decent year. So you know, I will chalk down to young being young because he's only what 24 right. now. Yeah. But, he's, he's young, but yeah. I get what you're saying. You, you have a, you have a good yeah. point. <laughs> Philip Grubauer, I guess is probably the better example. He was a better yeah. goaltender with the, the abs. abs yeah. And then he went to Seattle and he's just been right. Yeah. So. And, uh, like another thing is like when you're trying to compare, like you said, we, we need to wait obviously because he's only 28, 29 or whatever. But when you're trying to compare, like, Roberto Luongo just got in. Hellebuck's on a similar trajectory-ish. Yeah. Like, he needs to do a few more things. But he's there. Like, he's there. Like, but a lot of goalies, like, I don't know. Anyways, Marc-Andre Fleury, if you try and compare to him and the accolades that he has, he has a Vesna and, like, four Stanley Cups. Um, Thanks, Crosby. That's what he says. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, like, that's not even debatable. Um whether or not like if you're if you're comparing those two because Hellebuck as as much as I'd like to say the Jets are going to win four Stanley Cups in the back half of his career it's not going to happen. They did that. Um, oh my. I know. Um but Mark Andre Fleury you can't stack up to the accolades he has. 
Roberto Luongo you can. So I think we're in agreement that a Vesna, a Stanley Cup probably puts him over the top and puts or him a in run. conversation or another mul- run. Mul- I would even multiple say multiple runs. Yeah. yeah. If if they if he doesn't get another Vesna or if he if he gets another Vesna and multiple runs in these next couple mm-hmm. years, if we're able to figure out the roster and keep this window open, mm-hmm. then yes. I would say if it's multiple runs, he shows that he's one of the top 3 goalies in the league for while we're in our windows, then yes. Yeah. No debate. He pro- he yeah. will get in maybe not first ballot but maybe gets in on his second or third try mm. but at this point right now yeah. with, obviously with his current resume no he needs another Vesna. he right. needs obviously, runs yeah. he or or if he doesn't get multiple runs but the jets win a cup a cup and one or two Vesnas, yeah done yeah yeah i i agree that's that's about as far as this conversation can go yeah. at this stage of his career um, I like that we are having the conversation about a current Jet who's like not even 30 years old and whether or not they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. And it's not um, Blake Wheeler or Mark Shifley. <laughs> yeah. No, well, Mark. Yeah, no. Um, well, Mark yeah. Shifley get in. That's a different debate. <laughs> if he wins the Stanley Cup. No, okay. <laughs> everyone just I win don't... a cup and everyone will get in. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's how, how it works, in the, that's how it works in the NBA. Like Patrick McCaw yeah. might make the Hall of Fame because he's won like – Four, he won four championships in four seasons or whatever like boom yeah no i that, like we covered that pretty well just because like we can't really predict what he's gonna do um or the jets or the jets yeah but it it, it, it it's a nice conversation to have and um i i'd be really interested to hear brian's thoughts on that because again th- like opinions may vary very <laughs> widely on on a topic like that we're going to end off the the podcast here with a a topic where it, there's been a lot of panic on Jets Twitter lately, and rightfully so, when you lose to the Islanders who just lost Barzell, he's out, the Blue Jackets, you look terrible against the Rangers, but you win. Um, and then the way that they went into the All-Star break, um, the way they're playing right now, there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of last year showing up in some of these games. Um, Elliot, is it time to panic about the 2022-23 Winnipeg Jets? At this current moment, no. Ask me in a week. That 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 is my thing yeah. right now. I would say no. <laughs> if if Chevy either decides to go to the cabin or he just decides to not do anything, then yes, then I would say, then I will flip open the panic button like it's deal or no deal, and I'm hitting the panic. I'm hitting the panic button. We should do a deal or no deal segment on here. I don't know. For trade you know deadline. Oh, oh you, my god, that's you, such a good idea. So you just mentioned that. I just thought of a great idea. You viewers, and we will post this real on Twitter. Before we do our next episode or we do our trade deadline episode, we could even do this live, like we've talked about doing the trade de- uh, trade deadline mm-hmm. live. You can post your questions during that stream or in the comments on Twitter or on any social media and tell and give us deals. And we will either deal or no deal those deals. Mm, great idea. Great idea. Be on the lookout for that next week. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think right now you don't panic. Especially you do not panic if the Jets make a deal or multiple deals. Like yeah. like if I open my phone in two hours and the Jets have – I'm not even going to say T- Timo Meyer, But let's say the Jets traded for anybody. I would even at this point say they make their depth scoring option trade right now. Then yes. Then I would say, nope, don't panic. We won't panic until it's later in the year. 
and we get into mid-March and it's the whatever deal we've made isn't working, which I would assume whatever deal we make will probably work because a lot of the deals we're making are with teams with good players on bad teams. So if they come to a good team, right? But yeah, you'd probably hope that they would work out. But, you know, I, I think right now, you look again at the money puck deserval meter. We lost three games that technically we should have won. And we won a game we weren't supposed to win. So realistically, yeah. you you let's say you let's say you take the deserval meter percentages and you flip that, it's now a three and three three and one road trip instead of a one and three road trip. Yeah. And then we're having yeah. a completely different discussion because the Jets are almost at 40 wins and they're under 20 losses. And you go, yeah. okay, this team right now without is the real deal. Now, I will say, now thinking about that, I'm kind of glad we went one and three on the road trip before the trade deadline. You think it'll entice Chevy to do do more? Exactly that. Because mm. we've looked good and now we're in a rut, especially without Perfetti. So I think without Perfetti, we go one and three on the road trip before the deadline. I think that is a perfect storm for Chevy to go, you know what? Let's add some pieces. Because I think if they get close to 40 wins, let's say they're, mm. what are they right now? 35, 22, and I'm not even going to count the overtime loss because there's no overtime losses. So they're 35 and 22. <laughs> you give them an extra two wins. So they're at 37 and you take away two losses. Sorry. So they'd be 37 and 20. Yeah. Would be 37 and 20 or 38 and 19. Either way, they're Either closer way. to 40 wins and their current form looks better. You look, Chevy looks at it and goes, oh, we're almost at 40 wins already. We're fine. We don't have to make a deal. But with Perfetti getting hurt and the recent form, I think they make a deal. But I would still say for this week, for this podcast episode, for episode 16, I'm not panicking. Okay. Ask me again next week for episode 17 or whenever if, we, if we're if we live on trade deadline day. Yeah. You can ask me again. And my answer may be different depending on what happens on Friday and their current <clears throat> form at the time. Yeah, I... I'm with you in the big picture sense where I'm not panicking like the season is over and they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. But I'm panicking in the sense where I'm seeing too much of last year pop up in these games. Like the mm-hmm. the New York Islanders loss where they played great throughout and then two killer mistakes, puck management mistakes, burned them and they lose the game. That has got 2021, 22 <laughs> written all over it. Um, yeah. The Columbus game, like, again, you should probably generate enough to beat Columbus, no matter how hot the goalie is. Like, it's like Columbus yeah. is not a, a team that you should be worried about. And then New Jersey's New Jersey. That loss, I can excuse because they're good. But it's just mm-hmm. the play. The play at times, I'm not saying it, it always looks like this, but at times the play is looking very uninspired and very, yeah. like, lackluster. And that, that comes with the puck management issues. They're mm-hmm. just... It, they're just throwing the puck and oh they turned it over and Halbuck will bail us out um and he did in the rangers game but like you said they're they're generating chances their defensive game was much better against the islanders um i'm not panicking completely but like you said if they don't make a move and this is the team that they're going to the playoffs with i will be panicking they they mm-hmm. need we talked about it with the power play the second unit having like gagne on it like like we need to they they need to make some moves to push guys further down the lineup, which will create like the bottom six. This is one thing I'm sound the alarm, hitting the dealer no deal button, panicking on is the bottom six. If they don't yeah. make a move, 
to like, and then again, I, I'm not saying go out and get a bottom six forward. I'm saying go out and get a top six forward and move one of the top six guys into the bottom six. The bottom six is not generating anything. Yes, they're killing penalties. Um, their puck management has been spotty, like the whole team has, but theirs especially. And it just seems like they're doing nothing in the offensive zone. I I read it on Twitter last night. It was Scott Billick, one of his tweets. It was in one of the comments. I forget who searched it up. I'm sorry, I can't give credit to it. Yeah. But um, they they basically looked it up. And the last goal that came from the bottom six was Carson Coleman against Philly, like on January I don't know, 20 something. Like it was before that way before the break. It was like, it was on that road trip that ended off the break. Um, That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, the guys in the bottom six are not generating. Yes. They're getting pucks deep and they're banging bodies, but they're not putting pucks to the net. They're not scoring. They're not generating any good old school um, Canadian hockey. At yeah. its best. <laughs> not scoring any goals. Yep. But with the, with the loss chisel. of Perfetti. Yeah. With the loss of Perfetti. And the trade deadline looming, there is a little bit of panic in me because if he doesn't make a big splash, if he doesn't make a big big move, this could all fall apart very quickly. Because per, let's say, just throwing a uh, day out there, Perfetti's out two to three weeks, okay? They don't make a big move. They maybe add like one bottom six guy at the deadline. And then Perfetti's still out. You're still going to have these same issues where the bottom six can't really score. And Perfetti's going to be out. So the top six is going to have to do all the scoring. Hellbuck's going to have to do all the carrying on the back end and Morsi's going to have to do what he does to just pull wins out of their behind and hope that it, it gets them like they're, they're almost a lock to make the playoffs at this point. But at this rate, if you keep playing the way you're playing and you don't make any moves, you're going to end up in a wild card spot and play Colorado on the road round one. And it, the season's like, and, and you're like down what? 2-0 before yeah. you even come home. Like exactly. It's, it's, the trajectory they're on is very concerning, but I'm not ready to panic about the entire season just yet because their play hasn't been that terrible. There are things that are popping up that are, that are terrible and need to be addressed. And bonus knows what they are. He keeps mm-hmm. saying like puck management. We know we can give a better effort, but when you look at it at the end of the game, like you said, you look at the chances they're generating the XG, the deserved to win O meter. They're, they're generating enough. They're generating more than the opposition. They're suppressing enough chances. It's just two or three mistakes a game that are killing them. And they keep popping up, but they need to have a game. Colorado, this game on Friday against Colorado can change everything. If they come out and 4 nothing Colorado. 4-1, 5-2. Yeah, like, like... like they can put all these questions to bed. But if they come out and they lose 5-1 and they make three boneheaded turnovers, then then yeah, this is going to be... And Colorado is a team that will convert on yeah. their chances. This so, isn't this isn't yeah. a normal team, but... Yeah, so that game will come out tonight when you're listening to this. It'll be Friday. Um, that should be a really good game, but I'm not ready to panic. But they can put these questions to bed with that game if 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 they want. If they and, can. And, and, I think, and I think the last thing I will say is... I think this also has to do with fatigue. Yeah, but the, the, that was, for the top that fatigue, was, fatigue for the top six. Okay, but that that was the fatigue thing was a a, a thing that came up before the All Star break, and it was like, well, that one I could excuse a little bit because if you look at their January schedule, it was like back to back day off game, day off game, and it was like that the whole month. They played every other day for the entire month. They were traveling. They were on the road. Yada yada. Now it's like they had the break. They were at home. They had a four-game road trip. 
now they're back home for, I think, six of their next seven. If this is, yeah, like you said, ask me in a week, ask me in two weeks. Because if I'm if on this homestand they still look tired and still look fatigued, that's going to be very, very concerning. And and if you're a viewer, I will say don't watch the t- the bottom six because I at this point the bottom six will look they will look fresh for the rest of the season and once the Jets make the playoffs. I'm saying late in games, look for Connor, Shifley, mm-hmm. look for Dubois mm-hmm. because they're being asked to do Morrissey. They're being asked to do a lot. And I think because this team doesn't have enough depth depth goal scoring, they have to do all the scoring, which means they have to do most of the chance creation. Right. And so they're going to run out of gas. And that is why we keep saying they need to add at least one top six forward that adds some more scoring and some more chance generation, some more guys that put up points. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a big week coming up. They've got the Colorado game on Friday. They've got the New York Islander game on Sunday, both at home. Then they've got the Kings on Tuesday. By that point, um, we'll be back next week, Wednesday or Thursday, recording. And then they've got the home-and-home Friday, Saturday against Edmonton. Friday, March 3rd, they play that night at 8 p.m. in in Edmonton. That's trade deadline day. Um, Be on the lookout. We might do a live stream. Um, again, like when the live the stream, close? 3 p.m., I believe. Okay. Um, or it might be two, regardless, it's sometime in the early afternoon, early to mid afternoon. Um, what we are planning on doing, just so that the viewers are in the loop here, either if the Jets make a move before, um, let's say it ends at three, I believe it ends at three. Um, if the Jets make a move before two o'clock, then we're going to jump on a live stream and analyze it. That's that's our initial plan. We'll let you know if we if that happens. But if no moves have been made until the last hour of trade deadline, then we might just hop on a, a live stream and live stream the last hour because it's like, well, either the Jets are going to make a move or we can stay on and talk about how they didn't make a move, right? Or we can um, just talk about other teams and the other division teams, making yeah. moves. Timo Meyer, how good he's going to look in a Devils uni, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> or how good he's still going to look in the Sharks uni because the Sharks didn't like any of the trade packages they've received. Exactly, yeah. No, I that that's our plan. Um, I'm really hoping that we stick to that because that'll be really fun. I love trade deadline day more than like anything in the hockey, like especially because January and February can be a bit of a lull in the hockey season. And then after trade, trade deadline day, it's like a shot of espresso um, for, for the rest of the season because teams are – contenders are trying to get in a rhythm – it, it it's amazing so I, I i hope we do a, a live stream of sorts be on the lookout for that um we missed brian rebel yeah. a uh a avid listener of the show um was wondering if what was the official question oh, yeah. i believe would you it be was willing, yeah. <laughs> would you be willing to discuss how peaceful it is without brian in the studio just a thought it was very peaceful i must say not um, having Brian here. <laughs> we, we miss him, Brian, but yeah, it was a little Brian, bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Brian still did our ad reads. You know, he still contributed. He's probably gonna want to edit something. Brian does so much work for this show. Yeah. So I, I I can't say anything bad about him. Nope. I know. He's to trying to bait us, but trying to bait us, but no. Brian's just too good of a guy. He's he's too awesome. Can't do it. It, it. This show, if I'm being honest, doesn't feel the same without all three of us. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. This, no, it, I agree. This is the trio. It's, yeah. You need the full trio. It's like um, 
it's like Connor Shafley Appleton, you know? It's just like <laughs> I would have said I would have said Shafley Ehlers in the Maurice era, but <laughs> yeah. you need to have no. it because if you don't, then I don't know who's coaching. <laughs> yeah, no. Um Brian's amazing. He does so much work for the show. I can't say anything bad about him. I, I just yeah. can't do it. Can't bring myself to it. So that was episode 16. We got into some good topics. Um, whether or not Hellbuck's a Hall of Famer, it's time to panic, Nikolai Ehlers ice time. A lot of topics that were making the rounds on Jets Twitter, Jets Instagram, Jets Facebook, Jets social media. Um, people were talking about it. I'm glad newspaper. we got to talk about it. Yeah, newspaper. Yeah, in the paper. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about it. And uh, look out for us next week. Look on social media because we'll keep you updated if we're going to do a regular episode, if we're going to live stream on trade deadline day. We may um, even have to hop on a if the Jets make a huge deal before the deadline. We may have to do an emergency episode, and you, so you may get to. a you may get a quick little twenty minute from us or half an hour. So yeah, be on the lookout. No. Follow us on all socials. Always yeah. posting, Connor's social, my social, Brian. We're all we're all active all the time. So, oh yeah, uh, at Level Flight WPG is the the social media. We've plugged it many times. Go follow and be on the lookout. But. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. This was really fun. Go Jets. Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.